Welcome everybody to the Trauma and Healing Podcast. This week's guest is Deirdre Riley, who uses a multifaceted approach to healing, which encompasses a wi- wide range of modalities, allowing her to cater to the unique needs of her clients. As a pre-accredited psychotherapist, she fosters a safe and supportive environment for clients to explore their emotional and psychological challenges and needs. In addition, Deirdre's expertise as a Reiki master and cranial sacral therapist further enhances her ability to address the mind-body-spirit connection, providing a comprehensive, holistic healing experience for those seeking guidance. Also, as an innovative hike psych facilitator, more on that, Deirdre takes therapy outdoors, skillfully blending therapy power of nature, traditional blending the therapeutic power of nature with traditional psychotherapy. This refreshing and transformative approach allows clients to engage in physical activity while discussing their emotional and psychological needs. Deirdre's dedication to her clients' well-being and her passion for discovering new ways to promote healing makes her a sought-after therapist and an inspiring figure in the holistic health and wellness community. Deirdre, very welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Clodagh. And what a wonderful introduction. Thanks very much. Well, I don't think I lied, did I? No. It's all there. It's all all the work you've been putting in. (sighs) So, Deirdre, can you tell us about your journey? Can you tell us about how you've combined cranial sacral therapy, Reiki, hiking, pre-accredited therapist, all into your healing practice? How did you get here? That is a really interesting question. I could probably talk about that for days, but I'll try and keep it nice and short and as succinct as possible. Okay. So I started, my journey with Reiki started over 20 years ago when I had very young kids and I did Reiki one and I just used that then for my own family and my own self. And that carried me through many years of family life. And then I just I just really enjoyed it. It was just always there in the background. What just, is Reiki one now for anybody wondering? Yeah, that's a good question. So Reiki one would be the first attunement to Reiki. So it's like mm-hmm. a two day course where you get your first attunement and you find out all the basics of Reiki, a couple of symbols and how to do Reiki on yourself and your family. So you wouldn't be a practitioner then you would just be able to use it for your own personal use. Okay. Okay. For like, and and you might use that for first aid, for your own healing. You put it in your food. You just whatever it is that you want to do with it, you have it there, literally at your fingertips, and mm. you can just bring it in wherever you need it. Okay. So it's quite very interesting. Quite yummy. Even now, thinking back to it, oh, it was wow. like, it's just a lovely, lovely yeah. experience. And the kids loved it. Like they were very in tuned with it as well, and they they would seek it out. You know, they'd sit okay. up on my lap and would just do it and then they'd toddle off again and vice versa. They do it on me as well. And it was it was lovely. So that was wow. it. I never really thought anything more about it. It was just there. All around me. And then I suppose then quite quite a few years later, geez, now, what, 16, 17 years later, it came back again and I dipped into it again and I did my Reiki two. And uh, so that's the, kind of the next stage to mm-hmm. towards becoming a practitioner. There's more attunements and you just you get more information, how to use it, how to how to bring it in and and how to use it for others to support other people. 
and that was lovely as well and then I sure I said sure I might as well go on and do the Reiki Masters because yeah, you're halfway there halfway there and that was one of the best experiences I've had it was wonderful my teacher nice. Moya was absolutely fantastic the setting was amazing it was just a whole round just an immersion in yeah. Reiki in nature but she would have brought in, brought us out into nature as well to use the elements and to use the healing power of nature along with the Reiki. And I think that's kind of where my first taste for that came in, you know, how to Encom encompassing, encompassing nature, encompassing okay. the nature. Yeah. And the outdoors and the healing power of the forests and the sea and mm. just where you are in the landscape that you're in. And being very mindful, being very grounded in that and, and how the effect that it can have you have on you as a person can yeah. be profound, you know, where you are. Some of the sacred sites around Ireland, they're just mind blowing. Wow. The, the energy that flows through them is really fascinating. Okay. Not to go off too far off. Yeah, I, I, I have like a million questions going in about the history of Ireland and the sacred sites, but I won't take you off there. Maybe that's another conversation on itself, is it? Maybe, yeah. Abs that would definitely be a whole other conversation. There's <laughs> enough okay. to cover here today with this. And I was just fascinated by it. And then along that journey, I was, again, I was really only working with friends and family and and that was more than enough for me at the time and then cranio came into my life yeah and you know it was one of those things that there's something else out there for me I'm not quite sure what it is yeah. and then cranio came in I'd never I'd heard of it but I didn't really know what it was you know and then I got the opportunity to experience a session and from the first go I was absolutely I was just hooked I was like I love this this is amazing this is just like it was such a healing experience for me at the time. It came to me exactly when I needed it and supported me in a time where I really needed that. Yeah. So that was that. And I continued on, continued on you know, going for this couple of sessions. And, and then me being me, I said, you know, I want to know a little bit more about that. So looked into it found the core found a couple two different courses there's two different schools of craniosacral therapy here in Ireland and okay. I went with the one that suited me best at the time and my family and my life and it was fantastic I really enjoyed it it's very similar in some ways to Reiki and also very different they both work on a very mind body spirit soul level and you can work on physical you can yeah. work on a very physical level like if somebody comes to you with a physical ailment a sore knee or something like you couldn't you, depending on the person and where they are and what they need at the time you might work on that physical level they go into an emotional level level and it may sometimes also go to a soul level it's all very different it's all very individual so i'm going completely the, the long way around <laughs> no 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 no. it's really interesting because it sounds like you're really attuned on an energetic level to the people around you um, and as you say, the, the, even the different levels of sacral therapy, you're able to touch into that soul level of a person. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's and it's a complete honour and a privilege to be able to do that. Gosh, like, yeah. It's, I love it. It's just, it's, sometimes it's mind blowing. I even come away from it going, well, that was just amazing. Right. It's like, wow, <laughs> wasn't expecting yeah. that. So it's just it's fantastic. 
Um, For so anyone that doesn't great. know what craniosacral therapy is, can you give a, what's the basics? Okay, there's a couple of ways of coming at that, but there's a mechanical way, which is basically, and it's all interlinked, the mechanical, the energetic, the soul, everything, it's all interlinked. Craniosacral therapy, it's a very gentle hands-on therapy in which you work with the cerebral spinal fluid. So this fluid, it runs around, it's all around our brain. It's kind of a cushion that feeds our brain and it comes all the way down the spinal cord. And this fluid, it flows. So in a way, I think it's very like the life force of us as well. It's like it's our chi. It's all of these things kind of integrated, interconnected. They all work together and support each other and hold each other. So this, this fluid, this life force, it can get blocked at times. It can get stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know if you see a river or a little stream that's trickling away and it's just flowing nicely and then the debris of life comes in twigs and sticks and and it gets caught up in places and and it doesn't flow properly and it has to work around these mm-hmm. little things the pebbles the rocks the, the twigs that come in that block it mm-hmm. so it's finding its way it's finding its way around so it's not flowing freely and cranio is about coming in and very gently finding these blockages within the body. So they could okay. be anywhere. They could be in your toe. They could be in your finger, your knee, your hip, your head. But they will affect how your CSF flows. And okay. the cranio very gently helps shift these blockages. These Can blockages... you talk about the debris and those blockages? Mm. Is that trauma? Exactly. That's what you read my mind. Okay. Yeah. It's these traumas that we experience in life. So it can be anything from when you were a small child, you might have fallen down and hurt your knee. And mm. and that when that's something like that happens, depending on where you are and what's going on in your life, that could be a very small little trauma or it could be a huge one. You don't know yeah. how everybody's affected so differently. You know, this around trauma, it affects all of us so individually. But yeah, yeah, all of these little things that happen to us in life, all these traumas, unless we complete those stress cycles of that trauma, it gets stuck in our body. And it's sometimes, sometimes for me, it's you can feel this electric current that's trying to get out of the body, but it can't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's still in there and it's pinging around and it's trying to find a way out. So with cranio, you may have to trace back where the origin of this trauma is in the body or where it's held. It may present in the shoulder, but it might be coming from somewhere very different. And you okay. have to trace back all of those little pings and the ricochets around the body. And and as you're doing that, you're kind of healing each one as you go and working with what shows up around that until you can get to the core and the center of it. It sounds very intuitive. It is, yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's like for me listening to that, it sounds fascinating, but I would really have to be so present. Yeah. For the person before you. If you're having thinking about that row you had in the grocery shop two days beforehand, you're really gonna have to miss uh you're really gonna miss what's in front of you. But Mm. this requires you to be so grounded. Yeah. It does. Yeah. You have to be very grounded and very present. And it's really interesting even to watch when that comes up, that if you do start thinking about the grocery store, watch what are you having for dinner tonight? What's going on for the client in that? Is that 
because sometimes our bodies are our bodies are so clever they're yeah. so so clever and they can throw up little distractions and false starts and ways of kind of pulling you away from something that we've been that you your client whoever it is has been minding and holding for so long and it can't let anybody know about this yeah. because because yeah. it's a really sore point point it's a secret it's it could be so many different things but that trauma that's held the body is very very clever at distracting away from that yeah and it wants to protect itself it wants to Absolutely. protect you that's that's all it ever does it's protection and sometimes the way you know this like the way we learned to protect ourselves when we were very small worked and it was yeah. exactly what we needed at but that as time, we but with at kid that brain time, yeah yeah exactly and as you grow up and you move through life towards teenager young adult whatever stage of life you are at the way you minded yourself and protected yourself when you were smaller doesn't really work anymore. And that's a lot of the time when people come in to therapy, whether it be psychotherapy, craniosacral, Reiki, whatever it is that they come looking for. Acupun- it's when it's like these coping mechanisms that worked for so long aren't working anymore. And I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, and it's so, it, I find that the, the, the most interesting is that I just know something isn't right. There's a no. Don't know what it is. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes it is. It's a. It can be a big T, a big Mm -hmm. trauma. Um, But other times it can be these repeated patterns Mm -hmm. or the paper cuts, as I call them. And yes, Yes. they just come in the door with something's off. I don't know what it is, and then it just it unfolds. Then, but there is a there is that intelligence to know. Yeah, I'm not feeling something. I know there's something more. I know there's something more I can do. And even I find interesting the attraction of people to the different modalities. Why were you attracted to cranio? Why were you attracted to Reiki or psychotherapy even? I always find that terribly interesting. Oh, yeah, it is. It's fascinating. Really is. And I know for myself, when I look at why I came to each of them, it's very evident now looking back. But at the time, I was I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, I I knew I needed something. Mm-hmm. And I'll just keep going. Yeah. 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 There's exactly. that intuition again. Yeah. Yeah. And that thirst for knowledge as well that's there. It's like, oh, I want to find out a little bit more about that. And yeah. You know, and the intuition and just working with it and following it. It's. And tell me, is that how it led you to hike, psych, hiking and therapy? Yep. Okay, so I came so... to hike, psych. So I was working with a few clients and family doing the cranio and I noticed that there was a lot of trauma showing up for people. And I I was kind of, okay, I'd like to know a little bit more and be able to hold this a little bit better when it shows up in the room. So I decided to study psychotherapy to learn a bit more, to be able to be m- more of service to my clients and my family and whoever it was that I was working with. And studying psychotherapy, you know, you're always interested, you're always looking out at things and the ecotherapy came up and oh, I love the, you know, getting out in nature and working with the elements and what comes up. And and then I came across Cara, who runs Hike Psych during lockdown. She (laughs) took the therapy room out into the outdoors and I was, oh, brilliant. That's fantastic. I love it. Absolutely love it. 
and she was looking for somebody to join the team and I she asked me to join her and I was absolutely delighted to join and, and join the hike psych team and it's wonderful like it's just it's great I love it where do you do you have a specific spot that you hike in general or is it just yes. wherever no so I am based in the hill of Tara okay because I was just literally thinking about you saying about those sacred sites I was like is it on a sacred site yes it is gosh you have it all covered don't you well no not all there's more but getting there yeah no it, it is fantastic and the energy I don't know if you've ever been to the hill of Tara have you probably as a kid but not in yeah. not as an adult yeah you should come up sometime you should meet me up there sometime when we go right. for a walk yeah um, anyway sidetracked back back on point yeah so I live quite close to the hill of Tara and it's been my go-to now for years if I need to get out if I need to good good grounding I'll get myself up there there's a lovely little Tara studio where I've done loads of uh, meditation groups and sound healings and just been up there immersed in the energy quite a lot I'd go up for full moons sunrise sunset whatever and you just be up there and walk and you can really feel the energy in the land and it's it's very different at different times of the year I'd love to know more about it Mm -hmm. love to talk to you about a little bit more about that another time yeah absolutely so it just made sense for me then to work from the hill of Tara because I live close to it it's a very healing space it's outdoors it's open and you can walk you know you can walk without running into too many people you, you can go off you have the mounds and the leafail in the middle and you know you can go off around the edges and there's yeah. a, a lovely woods there as well and the rolling hills the mounds of the hostages where you can just walk and talk mm-hmm. and yeah it's just, I'm, I'm nearly imagining myself there now it's <laughs> ah. What have you noticed or have you noticed a difference between in the in the therapy room versus being outside? Do you feel that there is a shift? Have you have clients done both with you and reported back that the energy just is better outside or it's just at the time have they needed or have mm. some people just been, no, it's not for me? So at the moment, I don't actually have anybody who's done both with me. So I I don't know about that shift from in-room to outdoors. Mm -hmm. But having worked with people outdoors, I definitely find people really feel the benefit of it because they're they're outside, they're getting exercise, they're getting their blood flowing, getting their endorphins up, they're getting oxygen into the lungs. And they can sometimes very... I'm trying I'm trying to think of the word now but at at times it can be they can move through the trauma that's showing up and the mm-hmm. story that's showing up in a very gentle yet supported and quick way at times yeah. and even I find you go up and I'd, I'd be up there and be like what's the weather like today and generally the weather reflects an awful lot of what's going on 
for the climb. So depending on what it is, that some days like it's really windy and you're kind of you're walking into the wind and every step is hard. It's hard. And yeah. that's exactly what's going on for the client in their life at the time. Yeah. Every step is so tough. Yeah. It's uh, they can connect to the symbolism of it. Yeah. I've often wondered actually with ecotherapy and with this hiking as well. So I, I trained recently in EMDR therapy and mm. uh, Francine Shapiro and how she came about was walking one day and she noticed she was something had happened. It was irritating her and she was thinking about it and she went for a walk and she noticed by the end of the walk that she felt better and she mm. kind of went, what, what just happened there? And she realized when she was walking, what, what EMDR is about bilateral stimulation. So she was looking mm. left and looking right. And even in the movement of the body of each step, left, right, left, right, I wondered, was that allowing the brain and the body process fully, the whole mm. brain, the whole body process, mm. what they're talking about? And it mm. sounds like something like that is going on. Now, I, I've no I've no research on that, but it, it, I find mm. it very interesting. It's sort of within mm. the same framing. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like, sound like it again. I don't know any research on that. Yeah. Um, Self, but yes it sounds like it's it's a very similar process because you are walking you know and some people much prefer to be outdoors because you're not sitting just looking at somebody opposite you in a chair yeah you, know, you're, you are looking around you left right like you say and you're looking at maybe there's a bird flying off or a dog running somewhere or, or and you have to watch where you're putting your steps yeah each each step so there is that left right that bilateral movement going on in trauma work sorry yeah mm, well, no go ahead just as you're saying there again when trauma work you'd often hear them say about you know uh, making sure that the person doesn't get taken back especially with uh, big t traumas the ptsd or pts as mm. i like to call it is that you can very easily get taken back to the event Mm-hmm. And it's to ground the person in the here and now while remembering the event. Yes. And what you're talking about there is you've so much to concentrate on in the here and now. It's grounding you without taking you too far back into the past. Mm-hmm. So it's that automatically built in piece of grounding while processing. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. What have, you, uh, what have you noticed then, I suppose, with the integration of all these various modalities? Uh, so how has it helped you in your journey? Yeah, well, it's helped me hugely in my journey over the years and in many, many different ways. Like I find this is probably going off now a little bit off. So pull me back if I get completely sidetracked. Okay, I will. I find the healing power of nature to be absolutely immense. And a couple of years ago, I had I I was very unwell. I was very sick and I was pretty much bedridden for a good month and a half. And one of the things that got me back on my feet and back able to do anything again was the sea, going to the sea and getting into the sea. So even though I'd always been very aware of the healing power of nature, then something in my life happened 
and mm-hmm. all of my skills that I'd had built up to then it's even saying it now it's not it's nearly like they were washed away right you know and I, I was left and I had to start again and something the one thing that really helped me get back on my feet was getting to the sea and getting into the water and now I swear to God, if you'd known me, you would say there is absolutely no way on earth D. Riley is getting anywhere near that sea. I hated the sand. <laughs> I hated the sea. I didn't like getting wet. I don't like being cold. It was like everything about it was like, no, definitely never. No, people would say go for a swim. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't think of anything worse in the world. And then suddenly over. Well, it wasn't suddenly, but then I needed that healing power of the sea to heal myself. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, it was very much nearly it was like every time I got into the sea, it was like having a mini craniosacral therapy session and right. a psychotherapy session because your mind was just cleared. Yeah, just I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that said so many times. Mm-hmm. And the research on it is, is again, it comes back to this. It resets your nervous system. So mm-hmm. if your nervous system is were jangled or on edge yeah. or worked up. It allows it to come back to a neutral space. And yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very and it, it, that, that life force that I was talking about, this, the craniosacral fluid, you can feel the difference in. I could very much feel the difference in that between when I get into the sea and when I come out of the sea. When I get in, right. it's very blocked. All those little things are in the way and it's, it's, it's working its way down through it and it's, it's just not flowing properly. And then you come out and you're like, oh, I can feel it now. It's flowing much more easily. You can feel, you could feel that life force coming back internally inside me. Mm. And now I'm after getting completely sidetracked from the question that you did ask me. No, we were talking about how the healing modalities worked and how they can help heal the trauma. I mean, mm. that's a fabulous example of that. There's, mm. there's no getting away from the, what they're calling it now, the cold exposure therapy. Or yeah. Sea yeah. swimming, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. There is something about it that the body responds to. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I suppose there's no harm in for people to explore it if you feel called to it. And if like you feel you, called to it, yeah. Yeah, like you were saying there, there's a lot of people that would be listening going, absolutely freaking not, I'm not mm-hmm. doing it. And yet, mm-hmm. I've heard that so many times and now people swear by it. Yeah. So, I just, on that note, like if you, if, if anybody was going to to try it, you know, you do still have to be aware around it and and be mindful. The sea is the sea, and oh yeah, you know to have respect yes. for it. You know, yeah. and and I've learned I how to do it in a way that suits me, which a lot of people would do as well. So I have neoprene gloves, I have neoprene shoes, I always have a warm drink for after when I'm getting out. Preferably something with sugar in it, so you know you're getting that warmth internally as well. So you don't, you might have to look for that, the after drop. So you, you, you do have to be mindful of yeah. it if you are doing it. Just, just for anybody who's gone, oh, geez, I might try that. Yeah. And to go with somebody. Yes. Well, safety, of course. Yeah. yeah. Safety is paramount. If you look at the sea and you go, oh, I'm not sure. Don't go in. Can yeah. How, how have you... Or how do you think the integration of all of these modalities, hike psych as well, what is it? Where do you see yourself going as a therapist? What is it? Is it just I'm following my path? I'm enjoying the uh, road that I'm on. 
and I'll see where it takes me? Or is this I'm doing this because I want to get to a certain way of working? Where mm. do you see this going for yourself? Because uh, actually recently you, you uh, had a post, I think it was even today, about training in yoga teacher training. Yes. So there's there's many modalities that you're working from here. There is. Yeah. And I suppose the answer to that question is kind of both. Yeah. I am just following my path and going with what really feels right for me and integrating all of these skills, these crafts that I'm, I'm collecting along the way so I can meet my clients where they are in that moment and bring in whatever it is that they need to, to help them at that time. And what, what it might be one day, it might be something completely different the next time I see them. But having, I like to call it my craft basket because yeah. I, I love to craft as well. It's something that I, I really enjoy doing. Gosh, you're which quite I'm creative. Lucky. <laughs> yes, I do love a bit of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm on, at the moment I'm looking at a way to bring that crafting creativity in as well. That's another thing. But yes, yeah, so you asked me. I am following my path. And I'm not really sure exactly where it's going. I don't have a this is where I want to be. I have a I'm picking up all these crafts as I go along the way and I'm integrating them and I'm weaving them together to make it what I think is a beautiful tapestry of healing yeah. and helping supporting people through their trauma so they can come out the other side and so they can come home to themselves and, and feel centered, you know, and, and I'm going to say peaceful and that peace comes and goes for all of us. You know, we're always going to get knocks and bumps and there's always going to be times when everything is like, and then <laughs> again, a bit like the sea, sometimes yeah. it's really and sometimes it's lovely and calm and peaceful and it's just so so all of the modalities that I am picking up along the way are all going towards that I have a really great interest in rest okay. and what that is and f helping people figure out helping my clients figure out what that means to them and how they can incorporate a little bit of that into their life because I think we've gotten so, so very busy yeah. lately, not even lately, over the last, I don't know how many years, but even since COVID, it's like everything has stepped up another level. People are even busier and caught up in doing. And so rest has been overlooked so much and how very important it is to our nervous system, to our healing to trauma that we've experienced if you keep pushing through you can and you will keep pushing through but at mm -hmm. some stage that's going to show somewhere in the yeah. body in the mind in the soul so it'll show up somewhere what does rest mean to you then what does anyone who hears oh well i'll take a nap and that's it but what does rest mean well, sometimes rest can literally mean taking a nap for me. Yep. Sometimes I will actually lie down. I might set my timer for 20 minutes because if I go over that, then I get really groggy. I go, oh, it's not so good. So for me, rest means many, many different things. And learning how to rest was a journey in itself for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to rest. I didn't mm -hmm. really know what rest was. I'm, I'm a recovering doer. 
for sure. So for me, rest means finding that place inside myself where the calm is, where there's a bit of quiet, where I can kind of sit with myself. And when I say sit with myself, I don't necessarily mean sitting in a seat and just going, yeah, I'm sitting here with myself. Sometimes sitting with myself can be walking up in Tara with me and walking mindfully, walking slowly, maybe taking my shoes and socks off and just walking in the grass and being really, really present. So for me, rest means so many different things. That's a big part of it is, you know, sometimes we're busy because we don't know how to be with ourselves and it can be quite a scary place to be with yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you can rest with you, there's no better place you can be. What role do you think self-care and compassion uh, plays in, in, in learning how to rest? It plays a huge role. That's another one of those big questions. And I'll try to be, uh, try not to wander too far from it. But uh, yeah, it's self-care and self-compassion plays such a big role in rest. Self-care is one of those words that we hear all the time especially as a therapist you know that yourself yeah. like your know, your self-care is so important and da, da, da. but what actually is it what is yeah. self-care what does what does that mean what does it look like how does it feel you know, the we don't know that like I've never come across a definitive answer of what self-care is oh yeah the longer I'm doing this work the more I'm learning about self-care and even now after how many years of kind of doing this I can still find it hard to verbalize and to find the language around what self-care is but it's so much more than than what we're led to believe or that than what we think it is as a society it's really about really written out this sounds so simple and it is and it isn't but it's really really about coming back and minding yourself yeah. like yeah simple it seems so simple you have to know you have you to know it. minding yes and that requires being at home yeah. that requires being in touch with the body which is is probably one of the hardest parts i have found to get anybody to go and take self-care seriously ah yeah ah, yeah sure I do I mind myself and make sure that I'm eating and I'd go for my walks and all that sort of stuff and it's it's they're so far from themselves to know mm. that 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 niggling feeling in the body is actually something it's not just a Irish or could be anything and ignoring yeah. it and powering on and carry on yeah yeah but even yeah. that the need how often do we ask ourselves, how often does people ask themselves, what do I need? Yeah. You know, you'd ask the, a, a child, a friend, a lover, a partner, you know, you'd ask somebody else, well, what do you need? Yeah. Well, how often do any of us ask ourselves, what do I need? Yeah. And that's a big piece of self-care is even figuring out the fact that I actually, oh, I actually have needs 
in the first yeah. place. I have no idea what they are, but I do have needs. And, and, it, and it's okay to have needs. Giving yourself permission. That piece, that vital piece of giving yourself permission to have needs and wants. Yeah. And learning yeah. how to meet them for yourself. It's easy to meet them for other people. And sometimes that can feel like self-care when you're looking after other people and you're meeting their needs. But coming home to yourself and kind of going, okay, I can I can maybe meet one of my needs today or I can acknowledge that I have a need today and how might I go about meeting that? Helping clients to come around to that piece is can be sometimes monumental work absolutely it really is a game changer mm. and the the i suppose the importance of compassion in that for me is because mm. a lot of what i've seen is oh i can't take care of myself because it's selfish or uh, i'm shameful for having needs or and having compassion for yourself but being almost trained in this way mm-hmm. of thinking of going you having needs is something to be ashamed of and having to leave yourself again and again and again just to keep going to keep up with in order to get the attention and the love mm. but conditionally yeah. and that compassion piece allows you to step back and go actually hold on let's see if this was my friend as you say if I could externalize this feeling and put it into one of my friends or a kid and them going mm. I can't say what I need or get what I need now because you won't uh, accept me for that mm. that's heartbreaking and if you can yeah. have the compassion for yourself in that, that starts to change it. That really starts going, oh, no, hell no, I'm not doing this anymore to myself. Mm-hmm. I deserve so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes that is the way I'm, I'm sure you're very aware of this, but that sometimes that's the way that it begins with a lot of clients is, well, now, if this was your friend, your sister, your brother, somebody external, like you say, what would you say to them? at this time or how how would you support them if this was happening for them and it can really for some people it can be really be a game changer it's the first it's just, time they might have actually come to to say it or consider it mm-hmm. yeah so i don't think that answered your question it did no it did we, okay. we spoke on self-care and uh, compassion mm-hmm. but actually I, I, was, I was considering anyone Anyone doing trauma work or knowing they have to go to deal with that thing they don't want to deal with. Uh, That can be one of the hardest ways or hardest steps, I suppose. And part of these conversations is about there's there's many ways to deal with trauma. You can sit in a room and you can talk about it or you can go up the hill tower and walk it out or you can whatever way get into the sea. There's so many modalities. So what Mm -hmm. advice, given how you you work across a broad spectrum, Mm. what advice would you give to anybody that's coming into thinking about, okay, I I need to deal with this now. So they're Mm. scared. They may not want to just jump straight into it. What advice would you give? I would advise somebody like that to really, to to really take it slowly. It's, it's, and it's about, finding the right fit so sometimes when you're in that place and you don't you know you need something but you don't know what it is and you don't even know where to start 
Like, what will I do? Will I go for Reiki? What is Reiki? Crania? What? 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 what talking? What? What? I, I just don't know what I want or what I need. So a good place to start is to, I suppose, first of all, people, if you're in that space and you can, like, look up the association websites and also maybe talk to friends, you know, somebody that you know and you trust. Right? Look, I, I just I need something. I'm not quite sure what it is. And I was going to say trust your intuition and feel into your gut. But sometimes when you're in that space, you, you don't know mm-hmm. how to do that or, or where to yeah. even start when it comes to that. So the first the, one of the first steps is actually reaching out and. And knowing that sometimes the first time it might not actually work. Yeah. And and that's okay. It's sometimes yeah. I think finding the right therapist and the right modality is like finding the right pair of jeans. You 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 know kind of what you want, but you're not sure how it's gonna fit or what it's gonna look like on, and it might actually be something quite different to yeah. what you had imagined. You might want the skinny jeans, and then you actually find that the the wide-legged ones really feel so much better so sometimes you have to try a few things on before you find the right thing and even if you have been in therapy or you know going to a practitioner or something years ago what worked for you then might not work now you might need something different so if you are going to do something to give it a little time to take it slowly you know, if you're going to see a practitioner of any modality to kind of say to yourself, I'm going to go, I'm going to commit to myself here for four to six sessions. And then I'm mm-hmm. going to come back and reevaluate and see how I'm getting on. Because the yeah. first session, you never really know. You know mm-hmm. you're, the first few sessions, you're getting to know your therapist, your facilitator, yep. your practitioner, whatever you want to call them. And they're getting to know you. So it's a very... Yeah. It's a very special time in some ways and it can feel sometimes it can feel a bit jarry and a bit I'm not really sure about this. And and that can be because we're holding so much fear inside us that that like we were talking about earlier on, that piece, that protection piece is like, no, this is not no, no, no. Because it's And I think honor that. Honor that. If that's not right for you right now, go with that. Or even say it in the therapy room, going, Mm -hmm. I'm really not feeling this. I don't feel good. That's so important. Uh, A good therapist would really take that on board. Yeah, Yeah. to name it and to bring it in. Yeah, but yeah, I suppose that's it. Is to take it slow and and it's okay if the first therapist you see doesn't fit. Yeah, it's hard, but and it's okay. Yeah, for me, the likes of that, I've learned something, Mm -hmm. even if it's I learned I don't like it. Yes. I, I, I don't see that as a failure or something going mm. wrong or whatever. It's just, oh, well, that's not for me. That doesn't feel right. That's great. It's more data I know about myself and my body. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And as well, your body picks up on this as well. If you're doing something and it's really not feeling right for you and you keep doing it, your body knows that there's something not going on so it's it's that, that that's that mind body split kind of happens and the body is like I know you're bringing me here but I don't like it yeah I don't like it and I'm not going to play ball so just you know no 
So to, <laughs> so to, to honour that piece as well, that yeah. if that shows up to kind of, okay, right, this is not right. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, it may not be the right fit. It may not be the right time. It may not be the right kind of therapy, but you'll, as you say, you'll always take something away from it. Yeah. You know, yeah. You'll always find something. And sometimes it can take a few sessions before you'll actually know that or before you'll know, actually, you know, this is actually a really good fit and I like it. And it's, it's what I, it's where I need to be at the moment and mm-hmm. it's what I need. Yeah. And knowing that you as a client, as a person, as an individual, you have every right and it's okay to say to your therapist, actually didn't like the way you did that or what you said. Yes. Very you know, important. Yeah. Very important that it is about you. It's not about what I or some other therapist might think is the right thing. It's really about that you, the client, the person as an individual yeah. Yeah. and your space. 100%. So I suppose anyone listening here now and going, okay, this is kind of, this is bringing my interest and I'm wondering maybe will I contact you? So is what, what anybody contacting you, are they contacting you for specific modalities or somebody contacting you, would they go, okay, what to expect in the first session? What do you, what would they be mm. looking at and uh, going, okay, I'll send an email, I'll give a call, give a text. Hmm. So it's, I suppose it's very different. Some people come to me knowing that they definitely, what they want is craniosacral therapy or they want psychotherapy. And, and I'll work with whatever it is that the person wants and where they are at the time and have a little chat on the phone about, well, what's, what's going on? What's going on? What do you think you're looking for? Or maybe some people come and go, I just haven't got a clue what I need. I'm just coming and I'm going to check it out and see what happens. And does it blend then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it would. They they do tend, they support each other both very, very well. Psychotherapy in, in a lot of ways is, is quite different. It is different. So in psychotherapy, you wouldn't put your hands on craniosacral therapy traditionally is done lying up on a plinth. You have all your clothes on. The only thing you need to take off really is your shoes. And if you really want to keep them on, you can. It's okay. Yeah, you can work around that. So they're very different. And yet they support each other very, very beautifully and very well. (laughs) Because in cranio, you would talk to the person as well and, and, and work with what shows up. I'd work with what shows up in their body between my hands okay and I imagine I've experienced it myself but I've also heard about it there's great shifts in emotions in terms of any kind of energy healing any of those therapy modalities Mm. and a lot can come through so you having that the other side of the coin of having both therapy of going okay well let's talk about what's coming up Mm. I mean yeah that's what a valuable resource to mm. to anybody going through or unblocking, as you say, with some of the debris of the, the mm. traumas that they've been through and yes. knowing that they're safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I personally think that's very, very important to know that you're safe. And, and, and as well, for me, when the client, if something big does come up and there is a big shift, really being mindful at the end of a session that they're very back and present in yes. themselves and that they're going to walk out of the room into their everyday life and be okay in that look sometimes it's always it can be a big session and but bringing them back into the present moment as fully 
as possible and grounded in themselves so they can move into their back move back into their day-to-day living yeah held without carrying too much of what came up yeah beautiful beautiful Okay, so do anyone listening today and wanting to know more, wanting to, you know, oh, I'd love to know more about that. Any resources I should recommend, any books or podcasts or anything like that on, on anything we talked about today? Mm. Yeah, this is where my mind is going to go completely blank. So Okay, <laughs> if it does, I can put it in afterwards. Yeah. There's on craniosacral therapy, there's a couple of good books. One of them is Kate McKinnon, I think is her name. And it's from My Heart and Hands is the book. Mm-hmm. And it's a lovely read around craniosacral therapy, what it is and how it can support you and how it can hold you. And there's another one by John Upledger as well, who is one of the founding fathers of cranio and it's called my inner physician the inner physician it's only a short little book but it was the first one that i read when i'd heard about when i had my first first couple of cranio sessions i got this book and when i say i devoured it i sat out in my back garden in the sunshine and read it and i wouldn't have been a reader back then in in less than a day i sat there until i'd gone through it all i just loved it how it spoke about that inner physician that we all have inside us mm. and learning to listen to that and to trust it and and how to hear it because most of us have disconnected you know we've pulled out the wires and we we don't know how to get them back in yeah so it's learning how to reconnect that on reiki there's there's loads of resources out there i can't think of any books quite now off to hand i know i have one or two downstairs that's okay and uh, so anybody that does want to stay up to date with your work and uh, with your offerings, what is the best place that they can find you and follow you? OK, at the moment, the best place to find me and follow me is on Instagram. I'm whole body wellness on Instagram. I'm in the process of building my website at the moment. So okay. that's not up and running yet, but it will be in the next okay. while. So that's the best place. You can also email me directly through Hikesyke. So that's Deirdre at Hikesyke.ie. Okay. And they would be the best places. I do. I have my own email as well at the moment, which is wholebodywellness at gmail.com. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. I'll add all of them. They'd be the best places. Yeah. Thanks so much for covering all of what you, you know, you've talked a, a lot about a lot of modalities. Uh, I feel we've got uh, many podcasts in one just with you going to what you do. So uh, mm. fantastic. And I all the best with your yoga teacher training. You're doing yeah. that with is a trauma informed yoga teacher training. ISFIT is the name of the school that I'm doing it with. And yes, it is a functional yoga for ther- for for therapy. So it's really coming from a functional base, which. I didn't really know anything about that until recently. And it's very much about, I would have thought yoga is, this is the pose that you have to do and everybody looks the same. And the aim of yoga is to get into that pose, Mm -hmm. come hell or high water. And you're, you know, you're trying to get into it. This approach is very much each and every body is very individual. Yes, you know, you know, and what my body can do 
and the shapes my body can get into are very different from what your body or what somebody else's body or what the next person's body can do and get into. So this comes from a very functional base of our our physical anatomy is different. Mm -hmm. So not everybody can do the same thing. Okay. And it's very much working around that. And there's a big piece, like a big part of the learning in the yin side of it was the holding of trauma in the body, how it's held and how to meet that and how to work with that through yoga. Yeah. And through that internal space that we can find through yin or maybe a yin practice. I I personally, I love yin yoga. That's that's where my heart is. Yeah. And I'm going on now shortly to do the yang side of it, which would be more the vinyasa and hatha side of it. So the more active yoga. And it's just fascinating. It's the ISFIT is the, let me, the International School of Functional Yoga Teachers. Okay, good. I'll I'll add that in as well if anybody wants to look it up as well. Mm. You don't let the grass grow, do you? You're, You're always quite active. Yes, like I said, I'm a recovering doer, so I'm still quite active and still doing. However, I'm learning how to do it in a very restful and supportive and supported way and really minding myself, my nervous system in that. Yeah. Wow. Well, fantastic. And I look forward to seeing what you do with it. I can see, I don't know, workshops in your future there's one yeah. there's I have a workshop in the pipeline at the moment I'm developing okay slowly and steadily you know and okay. again it's coming back to place. rest yeah it's all about rest and how what rest is and how to how to rest and how to have the courage to go into rest let me know what it is and mm-hmm. I'd love to share it on social media and if I can mm-hmm. I'd love to attend so um, yeah do, do keep and yeah Dee, thank you so much and uh, thank you yeah, fantastic thank you very much i think we i think we covered all bases there <laughs> it's been a great experience good good okay <laughs> i'll leave you go mm-hmm. and thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you soon bye